when I was a little kid, your dad is kind of a superhero. You know, most people see it that way. When Haley McKnight was little, she lived with her dad in the country, just outside Austin, Texas, surrounded by pastures and fishing ponds. Her dad was this walking encyclopedia of nature. He can identify pretty much any rock, any tree, any bird. Just look at it. Oh, yeah, that's a pink-bellied wiffle-waffle. Yeah, that's not a real bird, just FYI. Anyway, Haley says spending time outdoors with her dad are some of her favorite childhood memories. Her dad used to be this local rock and roll musician who eventually got a job fixing computers. But then in 2001, the dot-com bubble burst. When I was around 14, my dad got laid off from his job and then just Hmm. never got another one. Were you concerned that he didn't have a job? How did you pay for things? (laughs) I didn't really know how that was happening, but somehow we kept being alive. I really didn't think much about it. I'm Rima Khres, and welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a show from Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. This week, we're going to hear two sides of the same story, a story about family and money. And it is so thorny that the two people at the center of it, Haley McKnight and Haley's dad, Rick Carroll, didn't even want to sit down in the same room to talk about it. So I talk with them separately. First, we hear from Haley. When Haley was six, her parents divorced. Her dad got main custody, and she'd see her mom about every other weekend. After the divorce, she spent less and less time outdoors with her dad. She says he was always either working on the house or holed up in his room. And things only got worse after he lost his job. He wasn't very present. After my mom left, he was kind of a mess and sort of retreated inside himself. So I mean, like, there was food and he kept me alive, but there wasn't a whole lot of bonding, really. She started to feel neglected. She says he'd stay overnight at his girlfriend's a bunch, leaving her all alone in the house. He never really enforced rules or bothered to ask her about school. There was that one time he just forgot to pick her up after a football game and her band teacher drove her home instead. She felt alone, and it didn't help that she lived out in the country without many friends nearby. One person she was close to was her grandfather. My grandfather, I have tons of great memories of him teaching me to play poker and (laughs) never letting me watch a movie unless I could read the entire cover of the movie to him. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I had to get some education first. I don't know. Haley's grandfather was all about education. It's why he opened savings accounts for her and her older sister to one day help pay for their college. What I remember was him talking about, you know, how important it was to him that we went to college and did things the way we were supposed to because we were both smart and we both needed to, you know, grow up and do something amazing. For Haley, the college fund he set up for her wasn't just about money. She says it made her feel important, something that her dad had failed to make her feel. It was like the fund was a symbol of her grandfather's love. And it became even more meaningful after he passed. Just kind of as something like, I don't know, sort of like a special thing between him and me. I guess of what was left. Haley planned to use that money to one day become a pharmacist. When she was in high school, there was this time she took a bus into the city to visit the University of Texas, Austin. And walking around the campus, she felt like she finally had found the place where she fit in, where, you know, she could find herself. 
I adored all of the people and like the new sights and sounds and smells and food and I was just in love. So, in her senior year, when she got that big envelope in the mail from UT Austin, she was thrilled. Everything was going according to plan. So, I remember opening it and, you know, getting the congratulations, and I remember calling my mom and going, Oh my God, Mom, I got in. This is amazing. I can't believe it. So, in a lot of ways, getting this acceptance letter is like this ticket for you. Yes. It was a way out of a small town, way out of loneliness, kind of a chance to start my life. She had gotten into her dream school, and now she just had to figure out how to pay for it all. Haley's dad was still unemployed. Her mom also wasn't working at the time. So she figured she'd get a decent amount of financial aid. Also, she had that nest egg from her grandfather. In conversations throughout my life, I heard, you know, the figure of around like $20,000 being in there. $20,000. That would for sure cover more than half of her tuition. A few days after she got the acceptance letter, Haley sat down at her dad's computer to fill out the financial aid form. Dad is kind of standing behind me. So I told dad, I said, hey, how much is in that college fund that was set up for me? I mean, last I heard it was like 20000 so it should be even more than that, right? And he looks at me and he goes, oh, there's about $100 in there. And I kind of dead stop and I said, excuse me, what? Well, where is it? And he goes, well, how do you think we've been living all these years without me having a job? I sort of, like, black out from rage. I remember throwing the phone at him that had my mother on the other line and just kind of screaming at him. Oh, my god! Just, I hate you. I can't believe you did this. That money was mine. You stole it from me. Wow. So he just depleted your funds and you had no idea. I had no idea that was happening. Her grandfather hadn't put the money in an account that could only be used for education. It was just in a normal savings account that her dad was in charge of. Haley was furious. She stomped towards her room, slammed her door, and in true teenage form, screamed into her pillow. Yes, it was once a lot of money that no longer existed, and that sucked. But knowing that it was a gift from her grandfather that her dad took away made the loss sting even more. It felt like a wild betrayal. And then, so do you just avoid your dad in the house, or what happens... We really didn't talk much for a while because I just didn't want to. I was just so upset at him. I just didn't have much to say. You know, just, you jerk. You stole from me. My older sister got her money to do with as she pleased. Oh, he didn't take your sister's money? No, she is a good decade older than me. So she got her money to use it for what she wanted. Some of which was college, but not all of it. I'm getting mine to use it for its intended purpose. And now I can't. For Haley, it was a defining moment, something that as you go through life, you return to again and again. Because really, it's the moment she started wrapping her identity with ideas of worth and money. And it's when she started drafting a new version of her dad in her head. I'm dealing with that depressed realization that every kid goes through when they realize their parents aren't like the the superheroes you see when you're like six years old. And it was kind of like the last little bit of like, this is my dad, and, you know, his job is to protect me, that last little bit kind of shriveled away. Even without her grandfather's college fund, Haley was determined to go to UT Austin. 
Now it just meant taking out $45,000 in loans. Haley says losing that college fund, something that had always felt guaranteed, intensified any insecurities she felt about money. I remember like like losing a pen in the middle of lecture and it rolling away to where I just can't get it towards like five rows away and being so upset because that was my last pen and now I'm going, oh God, I, I don't I don't have money to buy myself all these new pens. It's wild to me that she'd stress over paying for a pen. But I think when you're consumed by something big in your life, the smallest things can set you off. Because now I've experienced this, you have nothing when you thought you had something, and that's a horrible feeling. But now it lives in the back of my mind constantly. Haley ended up taking a part-time job at a Texas supermarket chain. But even when she started earning a paycheck, she'd avoid buying new clothes until hers completely fell apart. Like I'm talking holes and rips. She even refused to spend money to see dentists or doctors. Because it wasn't only that she felt anxious about money. She began tying what her dad did to her self-esteem. So to find out that, you know, the person that when you're a kid is supposed to be the parent doing the job, making the money, is actually the one that stole this thing that made you feel, like, important. It definitely connected a couple of things in my mind that weren't there before. So now all of a sudden, after I move out on my own and have my own money, I'm going, you know, am I, am I worth it? Throughout college, she stayed in touch with her dad, but things were strained. Just a lot of awkward family dinners and small talk. She couldn't move past what he'd done, you know, blowing through her savings behind her back. Even if that's not how he saw it. I always thought that she knew that we were spending that money. But I guess... Why'd you think she knew that? I guess she didn't. I don't know. I thought I'd told her. But at any rate, I guess I didn't. I, I don't know. Coming up after the break, Haley's dad and his side of the story. It's easy to know you want to make a change in your life, but it is hard to actually do it. How to Be a Better Human from TED is a podcast for when self-help feels too daunting or maybe even unrealistic or just not for you. I'm Chris Duffy, the host of How to Be a Better Human, and trust me, I do not have it all figured out. But join me as I talk to experts about actually attainable ways we can try to improve our lives, whether it's facing fears, setting boundaries, cleaning your house without feeling like a failure, or all sorts of other topics. Find How to Be a Better Human wherever you get your podcasts. Last Day is a show about the moments that change us. I just don't think I will ever get used to this. I'm Stephanie Whittles-Wax, and I have had one of these moments. We all have. So let's unpack the chaos that is our human existence together. I don't believe things happen for a reason. I don't believe the universe has a plan. Each week, I sit down with a new guest to explore happy, sad stories of transformation. It's leaning far, far into the pain. That's what it is. Listen to Last Day wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. 
Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway, maybe somewhere tropical. Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. When I talked with Haley's dad, Rick Carroll, he had just eaten breakfast and was sitting in his living room in Lomita, Texas. He says, as a kid, Haley was absolutely adorable. I'm looking at some pictures of her right now, in fact. Uh, <laughs> uh, she has a very curly hair, and when she was a, a youngster, I called her Thing One. <laughs> she, she looked like the Dr. Seuss Thing One and Thing Two. When I ask him what life was like raising her, he gets straight to the money. I don't think she knew that we were broke. I never wanted her to to worry Yeah. about money, and... Uh, So hopefully she she didn't. I don't think she did. Rick says when Haley was born, both him and Haley's mom were working. And as a two-income household, money was never a problem. But then when they divorced and he was laid off from his IT job, all that changed. It became pretty tight, yeah. Mm, What does that mean exactly? I had to struggle to to get the bills all paid and to, to put food on the table. It was at that point, Rick says, he decided to dip into the savings account his father set up for Haley. The $20,000 just sitting there. So rather than me borrowing a bunch of money and getting in debt at, uh, you know, 11 or 12 percent or something like that, I just was drawing off of that fund. I didn't see any other way to maintain a lifestyle that, that either one of us would be comfortable with. Do you think using that money was stealing? No, not really. I wasn't spending it on me. And um, I was spending it on us. Just mainly uh, just to, to live. He knew his father had created the savings account specifically for Haley. But Rick felt like it was better to spend the money on her in the now instead of in the future for college. I would borrow money from that fund to, so she could get whatever she wanted. The bottom line was she might not have had a car or a phone. Sounds like it was a trade-off in a way. It was. And, and, and I'm just sorry that, uh, I'm sorry that I didn't make her understand it. Hmm. It's, it's interesting that you said that you borrowed from the fund. Were you, do you feel like you were borrowing and like uh, intending to pay it back? Yeah, I, I really had intended to and hoped to. But I guess it was just too easy not to because there was nobody sending me a, a bill every month. And I had all these other people that were glad to send me a bill every month. I, I remember Haley telling me that she said that she wishes you got a job and didn't spend the money. Can you help me understand um, your decision there? Well, when the, the tech bubble burst... You know, there were still jobs out there, but if you didn't have a college degree, they were going to yeah. drop you at the first opportunity. Where we lived made it a little bit difficult. We were not in the middle of things where you could just walk across the street to a job or something. Uh, so, somewhat selfish, too, on my part. I didn't really want to take a job that, that paid next to nothing and that I would hate uh, just to, to eat. Did you feel guilty pulling from that fund? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. But looking back, I don't feel guilty at all because since I have had a little money, I've uh, never turned her down when she's needed some. 
Not too long ago, Rick inherited some family money, and he used some of that to help Haley and her husband buy their first house. He also stepped up when Haley's husband's job wasn't paying commissions on time. Hearing all of that, it makes me think Rick really is trying to make amends. But for Haley, it hasn't erased that he spent her college fund. I think sometimes it's hard to let go of things that happened when we were younger, especially when it's about our parents. How does it feel for you to hear her say that you stole from me? It breaks my heart. Hmm. I, I suppose it was a mistake. I should have left the money in there because it, you know, even though it, yes, I was the custodian and I was a bad custodian, I suppose. I really didn't think that it would be a, a lasting scar in her life. You know, Haley um, told me that the fact that you you took money from this fund made her feel like she took it as, like, you not caring about her or, like, she took it as a sign that, like, she wasn't worth anything, right? What do you make of that? Well, if she didn't think that I thought she was worth anything, that's just ridiculous. I I can't believe that she would say such a thing. You might have misunderstood her. Talking to both Rick and Haley, there's this disconnect. Like, he's talking about the dollars and cents that were used, and she's talking about the betrayal she felt. And I could tell Rick was kind of fed up, that we were dredging up something in the past that should just stay in the past. And honestly, I get it. I mean, he is trying to correct his mistakes and move on. Plus, he made a pretty big gesture a few years back. When Haley was a junior in college, they had their first and really most honest conversation about all of this. And Haley told him what he did really hurt her. That was when he apologized for taking my money. And he said, you know, I know it doesn't mean much now. And I said, no, it really doesn't. But I'm sorry. And I'm going to make it right. I'm going to pay you back that money. Every cent of it, I promise. And he's trying. Each month, sometimes with a little hounding from Haley, Rick pays just over half of her payment, around $300. That's been going on for years. Today, Haley is 33 and married with two kids. She didn't become a pharmacist. She's working at the same job she did in college, at the supermarket. She says the hours are great, and she's a manager now. Haley and Rick's relationship is still obviously not perfect, but they do talk and see each other every few weeks. She says she remembers a time when she started seeing a different side of her dad. It was a few years back. Her first son was two years old, and her family went out to Rick's place in the country. And um, my son, toddling at the time, followed my dad everywhere. Hmm. Everywhere my dad went, my son was at his feet, just following him around. And I was just kind of watching how he interacted with my son. And it gave me kind of a little faith back in him because I was able to kind of see that same caring individual that I saw when I was small. Yeah. In that moment, she just saw him as her dad, as someone who will teach you way more about birds and rocks than you care to know. Do you feel like you've forgiven him? Um, the only reason I would say yes is because he is taking actions toward correcting it. I mean, I really, I'm never going to forgive him for how he made me feel and taking away my sense of self-worth for so long. That's never going to go away, but I can at least forgive him for the physical moneying because now that money is coming back. 
Have you ever seen it from his perspective in the sense that, like, maybe this was the only way in which he could provide for you and himself at the time? Like, were there ever moments where you felt like you started sympathizing with him? No. Never. Not once. No? I guess, I mean, I'm sorry if that sounds cold, but I just couldn't feel bad for him. So this is where our conversation ends. But after talking with Haley, honestly, I kept thinking about her relationship with her dad and how after more than a decade, she still seems to be holding on to so much anger. I don't fully understand it, why it matters so much to her. And I kept wondering how much of it is actually about the money. So I called her up the other day. I caught her in the middle of running errands with her nine-year-old son. I am taking a two-and-a-half-hour lunch to take my son to all of his doctor visits. Nice. And they are going well. Nice. She didn't have a lot of time, so I jumped right into it. I, I'm, I'm curious, like, why you feel like you've latched on to this one moment and why it holds so much significance to you. You know, I think it has to do with feelings of neglect that I get from my experience. It probably is something that my mind latched onto to put, I guess, to put a face to a name. Hmm. What do you mean by that? Um, to give the feeling that I have something tangible beyond just, I feel like no one pays attention to me and I feel upset because I, I guess I, I need something tangible. Yeah. I need a name. I wonder, like, if you had that money, do you think it would have changed the outcome of your career trajectory? Like, I know that's a hard question to answer. I have no idea. A part of me says my anger toward my dad would have just represented itself in some other way. I would have attached all my Mm -hmm. resent and fury to something else. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's in my mind, I feel like something else would have taken the money's place. It just would have maybe come later or maybe, I don't know. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I kind of am glad that it gave me something to attach this rage to because it gave me a starting point to get over it. Because in my in my mind, things are a lot easier to handle if I've got something tangible to attach them to. So, sure, there are times where Haley does see the dad she loves, like when he was playing with her toddler. But in a lot of ways, she seems stuck in that moment in high school when she's sitting in that room with him and finds out there's only $100 left in her fund. It's emblematic of all the other ways he let her down. For Haley and all of us, it's hard to let go of the events that shape our identity, especially when money's involved. Because money, while tangible, can be a stand-in for so many things that aren't. All right, that's all for this week's show. If you liked what you heard or if you have thoughts or want to share your own story about family and money, hit us up at uncomfortable at marketplace.org. This episode of This is Uncomfortable is produced by me, Rima Hreis, Haley Hirschman, and Peter Balanon-Rosen. Megan Dietry is our senior producer. Charlton Thorpe is our technical director. 
Una Danish is our intern. Tony Wagner is our digital producer. Editing by Sarah Kramer. Satara Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. And Deborah Clark is the senior vice president and general manager of Marketplace. The music is by Wonderly. And a special thanks to Eliza Mills and Nancy Fergali for help with this episode. All right. Catch y'all next week. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts.